In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you guys may not know this, or some of you may know this, that I am kind of a boater. I listen to Arabic music. I really only listen to Arabic music and Christian music. So, in my collection of Arabic songs, there's a song, and in the song it says, Contentment, or satisfaction, is a treasure for those who find it. To be content, to learn how to be satisfied, is a treasure for those who can find it. I say this because today we hear about the rich man who obviously is the opposite of content or satisfied. What is the opposite of content or satisfied? Any idea? Gluttony. Gluttony. Now usually when we talk about gluttony, we usually think about food. You know, usually my, my gluttonous behavior is like, I've already had five potato chops and there's like two more left on the t- plate and I'm like, gosh, I can't help it. I just need to eat these last two, right? And I eat the last two. And then I'm so full, I'm like, gosh, I want to lay over. I'm like, gosh, I need to go in a food coma, right? And then you beat yourself up like, why couldn't I just say no, right? Gluttony is the opposite of being content. Where we don't know how to say no, we constantly, compulsively indulge in self-satisfaction. Whether that's with food, whether that's with money, whatever it might be. Man has this big hole in his heart that can only be filled with God. And unfortunately, you and I are very confused beings because we oftentimes look for the things of the world and just the temporary pleasures to give us temporary satisfaction to make us happy. And we keep going back over and over and over, back to those same things, and they never quite satisfy. That is what happened with the rich man in the gospel today. The problem wasn't so much that he was rich, because really, I mean, if you think about it, Jesus doesn't say that the rich man... Uh, did anything wrong. It doesn't say that he stole, and that's how he became rich. It doesn't say that he was an adulterer. It doesn't say that he did anything really wrong. It wasn't so much what he did. His sin was what he didn't do. And what he didn't do was to be aware of his neighbor. And why was he not aware of his neighbor? Not because he was rich only. There's many... Very, very, very generous, wealthy people out there. We're very thankful for those people because we have many of them and they make very beautiful contributions to the church and to to orphanages and to, you know, different uh, contributions. And it's great. However, Jesus makes it very clear that there is a danger to being wealthy. There is a danger in being wealthy. Because it was the man's wealth that caused him to be so blind. I mean, no pun intended. Like, diamonds blind you, right? Gold will blind you. Literally, this man was blinded by his riches. So blind that he couldn't see the man outside of his gate. I mean, how do you miss the guy? He's sitting outside his gate. He's, he's, the dogs are licking his sores. 
Now, many of us might be thinking to ourselves, well, gosh, I would never be that person. Like, that's not me. If there was a man outside my gate, I'd help him. However, Lazarus, the poor man, is not always a physical human Lazarus outside of our door. We all have a Lazarus that maybe we're not seeing or maybe we're ignoring because we're blinded by, by our selfishness, by our constant desire to self-gratify, by our constant desire and impulsive and compulsive behavior of just constantly trying to fill the black hole in us. You know the black holes in space? It's kind of what the, 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 the man's heart looks like. Our hearts are like the black hole. No matter how much we fill it, we're never satisfied. It's never good enough. The, the new iPhone came out, okay, in three months, okay, iPhone 11, now there's an iPhone 12, and then there's going to be an iPhone 13. You got, uh, you got, uh, you want at the, the casino $5,000? Gosh, I got to hit it. I got to get 10000 now, right? I got the, the latest this. I need the latest that. It just never ends. And so, the, 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 the rich man, it's funny how he doesn't have a name. Why doesn't he have a name? Because his name was in his riches. His identity was found in what he had in his status. And it was in his status, this rich high status that he was constantly living in, because it says that he lived consumptuously and he feasted every single day. He feasted every day. It's in that that caused him to even in the midst of his pain and hell to look down at Lazarus. Pay attention to what he says to Lazarus. Even as he's in hell, he's giving Lazarus orders. He's telling him, Abraham, tell him to dip his finger and, and, and put, his, uh, put a, just a drop on my tongue just to relieve me. He's telling, as he's in hell, he's giving orders to Lazarus and he's looking down at Lazarus and telling him to do something for him. Like, you serve me, buddy. Look at how far riches and luxury and gluttony can take us. That even in the midst of hell, we will not learn our lessons. Even as we face hell today, and oftentimes God allows us to taste the fires of hell in whatever way it might be. He allows us to be tested, to be tried. He allows things to just go up in flames, life to go up in flames sometimes, because He's trying to humble us. He's trying to wake us up and help us realize that the world and life doesn't revolve around us. That's a very, very tough lesson to learn. And if we don't learn that lesson here, then we're going to live very much in the imagination of our hearts. The imagination of constantly gratifying ourselves because we think that we're just that important. That we deserve, that we deserve special treatment, we deserve special honor. I belong here, I belong to this club, I belong to this, I belong to that. I wear this clothes, you wear those clothes. I eat this type of food, you eat that type of food. Right? I go to this place, you go to that place, I, go to, I drive this kind of car, you drive that kind of car. And the reality is, my brothers and sisters, who are we fooling? The Chaldean community is very, very much stuck in these things. We love materialism. We love luxury. Now, like I said, luxury in and of itself is not a bad thing. 
It's what luxury can do to us. And oftentimes, what it does to us. If today, your most precious and luxurious things were taken away from you, you may say to yourself right now, Oh, I'd be fine. doesn't bother me. But really, if your home, your car, all the things that we treasure today were just taken away from us, how would we react? We'd probably turn up and go, Oh God, I've served you all of these years. Oh God, I've done all of these good things for you. How could you allow this to happen? Which is oftentimes what we do to God. And so today we all have a Lazarus. Somebody that we are not aware of. Somebody that's in need. It could be somebody in Africa. It could be somebody in Iraq. And it could be our very own spouse and our own children. Today more than ever our community is so lost in in self and materialism that our children... No offense, but our children are so lost, they're wearing Cartier and they're wearing Gucci at 15 years old. They're wearing Rolexes at 15 years old. And then 10 years down the line, after that, they get into drugs and they get into trouble. And then you guys come to the priest and you say, Father, come do something about my son. (laughs) Father, do something. And I look at him. What do you want me to do? Think I got magic? I don't have magic. Right? So the reality is is that if we don't wake up and if we keep allowing materialism and self-gratification and gluttony to overtake us, we will reap what we've sown. And we are. I really believe that as a community, if we haven't kind of woken up and seen the disasters, the constant disasters and the sadness that surrounds our community today, it's only going to have to get worse from here. Because nothing can quite satisfy. And if we don't, nothing but God, I mean. And if we don't take the graces and the goodness that God gives us, and we only keep it to ourselves and we don't give it to those around us, we become spoiled, rotten. We really become rotten. Right? So today, we have a Lazarus. We have somebody in our lives that is in need. Like I said, it doesn't have to always be a physical thing. It doesn't always have to be money. It could just be time. It could just be uh, uh, just a phone call. It could be anything. How much are we giving of ourselves to Lazarus in our life? To the ones that are in need? And how we can practice this awareness of others rather than just myself is by little acts of self-denial. Little acts of self-denial are what, in the religious world, we call them mortification. Can you say that word with me? Mortification. Say that. Mortification. Mortification. It comes from the word death. Mort. Morte. Death. A death to self. As we, in little ways, begin to learn how to say no to ourselves, we begin to train our wicked nature, our selfish nature, that I don't deserve everything that I ever want. That I'm not the rich king of my life. God's. So it's in these little acts of mortification, saying no to ourselves. It could be, it could be today you're going to go out to dinner and there's like three more fries on the plate and you're like, gosh, I really want those three fries right now. And you say no to yourself. We grow in those little ways we begin to learn how to become selfless. 
If we can't say no to ourselves with those little three fries, how do we say no to ourselves when it comes down to our children and our spouse and bigger things in life, our job or whatever it might be, our church? So today, more than ever, my brothers and sisters, we do need to practice mortification in the littlest ways. And in those little ways, God begins to take us out of ourselves and we begin to recognize the Lazarus in our life who's so much in need. And how good does it feel, my brothers and sisters? Just think back to the last time you did something for someone without looking for anything in return. How good did it feel? How good does it feel? That, my brothers and sisters, is how God wants us to live. He wants us to be those, just those hands, His hands, His feet, His heart. And so when we begin to do that, we begin to truly find ourselves. And the satisfaction that we receive in God is something that no purse, no luxury life, no car, no house, no watch, no nothing could possibly satisfy. Because we truly begin to experience and become like Jesus. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what we're calling to be. We're called to be. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.